Optimize My Life, the ultimate radio show where we unlock the secrets to living our best lives. Now, before we dive into this exciting journey of self-improvement and empowerment, I want to take a moment to thank our incredible sponsor, The Hope Collection, for making this show possible. Their unwavering commitment to spreading hope and positivity in our lives is truly remarkable. We believe in the power of interaction, so we want you to be a part of this incredible journey. Call in, write to us, or connect on social media. We'd love to hear your questions, experiences, and challenges. Together, we'll create a thriving community of like-minded individuals, supporting each other to thrive and shine. Good afternoon. Thank you for continuing to join us. So, today's Heroic Chronicles and Unveiling Valor with your host, me, Mary Stanley. So we're going to talk about the military, the armed forces. And we had a very great guest on um, Family Time with Bob Oakley yesterday. And he was a veteran of the Vietnam era. And he brought up some points that I thought deserved to be talked about. But not only his side, but the other side as well. Because when you do serve, two things can happen. You can enjoy what you do and have it a, remark, a great experience. Or, you know, you can deal with a bunch of stuff and things happen and you end up regretting it or, you know, having that bad taste in your mouth afterwards. You know, and there's so many misconceptions about the military and about, you know, the soldiers that fight. And one thing I want to start with is for everyone to understand the different reasons and ideologies that we have and why we join in peacetime and in wartime. Some are good, some are bad. You know, a lot of individuals join the military to escape. You know, they're in a bad environment. And the only way for them to get out and go somewhere with life because they can't afford college, they can't or to do anything and they want to break that cycle is by joining the service. That was part of the reason why I joined. Because I knew I couldn't afford to go to college. And the lifestyle of the predictability of, you know, knowing what you have to do, when you have to do it, how you want to do it, you know, was appealing to me. No, some individuals, um, including um, Jimi Hendrix and a few other celebrities, got into trouble, and a lot of individuals got the option to go to jail or join the Army. 
or some form of military. Usually it was the Army. And they had to serve out their sentence in the military. A lot of people, especially in, you know, 9-11 time period enlisted because they had this need for patriotism, their sense of duty and their love for their country. Now, when we talk about the love for the country, we're not talking about the love of the politicians and what happens in Washington, D.C., we're talking about the Constitution. We're talking about the ground that some families fought on and fought for. Everyone who came before us. Some individuals, and I give these men and women a lot of credit because I've seen what they have to go through, is a way to, and it's, I don't recommend this, it's a lot of work, but when you join, you can join and get your citizenship. <coughs> now, as a foreign national trying to get your citizenship through the military, there's a lot more security backgrounds you have to go through. There's a lot more work. So as you go through boot camp, and everybody else is done at 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock at night, these gentlemen and ladies have to go to another set of classes to learn about what it means to become a citizen. So as the rest of us are getting our sleep, these have to, people have to work even harder to learn what it means to be in this country. So it's essentially they're going through two boot camps at once. And they don't get their full citizenship until their first duty assignments are over. The contract is up. Well, there are other individuals who are drafted. And you don't have that option. Your number came up, you know. And there's where why a big part of why there's a lot of hostility with the Vietnam era, with some of the veterans, because they didn't have that choice. No, hey Bob, I know you you didn't get to serve. You wanted to serve, but they rejected you. Why did you want to want the option to be able to do it? Yeah. Why did I have the option to do what? Why did you want to join the service? I know you didn't get the option to do that. You tried, but what? Yes. What yep. made you want to do it? Yeah, I was um, I was married at a <laughs> at a young age and. Uh, started having children right away. And uh, by the time I was 20, I had two children and uh, we, we had a third one on the way. Um, and I, uh, my brother, my older brother was in the service uh, in the army 
and he was serving in uh, Korea. And I decided that I wanted to go also uh, into the service and to serve our country and, and to, uh, to help um, wherever I was needed. And, uh, and we had a, at that time, there was a draft board. You had to go through the draft board. And so I went there and uh, talked to them and uh, uh, I told them my situation. And, and they said, well, we can't take you. Uh, and I said, why? <laughs> and they said, because you're a father and you have children. And uh, they said, we're going we're gonna to reclassify you to, I, was, I think I was classified 1A. And they classified me to a 3A father. And um, they said, we, um, after, after we were done with all the 1As and the 2As, and, and then we'll, we'll get to you if, if we still need you. And I said, well, okay. So um, I was not able to go to, into the service because they never called me up. <clears throat> but I really wanted to do that. I wanted to do the experience uh, because I'd heard so many good things from my brother who um, uh, who was uh, involved in in the Korean conflict, and um, he met so many wonderful people over there, and he and he um, uh, found out that uh, a lot of the people in those countries were 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 hurting uh, because of the um, the oppression of of the communists um, in in those in those countries, and. Uh, and that was when uh, North Korea, or it was before North Korea and South Korea split, but it was right around that time when they were going to be split. Um, and uh, I think that's what the war was all about, was um, uh, trying to keep uh, the North Koreans, <clears throat> who were solid communists, wanted to, uh, wanted to keep the North Korean piece of it. And so, I mean, the South Korean piece of it. And so um, they, um, they, we were, we were one of the, we, United States was one of their uh, best allies. So we, we were there to um, help them to defend, help the South Koreans to defend uh, their, their, uh, what they wanted to, to be uh, their own sovereign country. And, uh, and ultimately that, that's what happened is that it was, uh, it was solved that, uh, they would become uh, their own their own sovereign country, and but I I, I think it's it's um, uh, t- to me whenever I whenever I meet veterans, uh, first of all I thank them for serving their country, but also um, I I find out that um, they are really good people, and they're people who have learned many skills in the military that they probably would not have learned. Um, if they hadn't gone into the military. And that was another reason why I was interested. Um, anyway, um, <clears throat> I, was just, I was just one of many, one of many who were trying to, to get in and serve, serve our country and, and serve other countries as well. Um, but um, it, was, it was a tremendous experience uh, to just uh, listen to my brother and all the experiences that he had and to many of my friends now, as I'm older, uh, talk about their experiences in the military. And, and we have um, several family members now from my, my wife's side of the family that are, um, that are also involved in the military. And uh, they're uh, young women, 
um, that have that have decided they want to they want to help to to serve and to, to help to preserve the freedoms that we have in this country. And a lot of those freedoms are being taken away from us for one reason or another because um, uh, people that people that have different uh, different ideologies. Um, want to um, think that it's not necessary for us to have all those freedoms, such as the freedom of religion and the uh, freedom of uh, freedom of speech, and so forth. But anyway, um, we as individuals need to do our part because we have a responsibility to help to preserve those freedoms, whether we're in the military or not. Because I, I just believe that um, we, um, we can do so much. We, the people, can do so much to, to, um, to keep um, the values that our, our founders of this country um, have set up for us. And I, I believe that the Constitution and, and that the Bill of Rights and, and all, many of the laws that have been passed uh, to support the Constitution – and to support the rights of people, um, I believe we need to speak up and and uh, let it be known um, through writing letters and calling congressmen and uh, congressmen and women and and, uh, and just doing our part. Um, even though we're not involved in politics uh, and we're not involved in uh, in serving in, in that capacity. But um, we we can do our part to to serve uh, to, to to and we can take our responsibility to to help all of uh, all of the people in the country, and um, that's what we do through the Hope Collection, and that's what we do through the Golden Rule Society, and and other other uh, nonprofit organizations that are helping people. And uh, and uh, I, I believe that's what it's all about. It's the focus is not on us; it's on them. It's on the people that we're helping, and the people. And that's what the military does. It teaches people to do to be a team, to work as a team, and to um, uh, follow orders, and to uh, get the training you need to to do the job right. And uh, <clears throat> so that's that's what I encourage people to do. So I'm going to turn it back to you, Mary, and I, I see uh, uh, Lynn was on, but it looks like he dropped off. But go ahead, Mary. I'm turning it back to you. Yeah. So, you know, I'm going to tweak a little bit of what you said there. The misconception is, is if you're not a politician, we're not involved in politics. Everybody who votes, every consumer who buys a product is involved in, in politics. Because all of our consumer products are owned by companies and corporations that lobby Washington, D.C. And so you stop, I mean, a perfect example is Bud Light. People stop buying their products. Nike, another one. These companies went woke. The mass population didn't agree to that. Yep. <laughs> so what happens is they change. Nike, for instance, turned around and to counter the wolf, they came out with they sponsored um, some Christian based players and now they have um, Christian sayings on a lot of their quotes. Bible verses, prayers, yep. things like that. The best way to affect change and to make change happen is to speak out. 
One, by voting. Two, yep. what you buy and don't buy. You know, think about the 60s and the boycotts and the sit-ins and things like that. It's a variation of that now. We just don't buy certain products. We don't watch certain shows. We don't do certain things. Money is the motivating factor. When you stop giving them money, things will happen. You just have to make sure your voices are louder than everybody else's, which can be hard to do. Yep. You know, you you brought some good points about, you know, what benefits we get when we're in the military. And of why transitioning out just to be hard. It's one of the things we learn is discipline and time management. You are ingrained that if you're on time for something, you're late. And if you're late to formation, you're late to something, you're doing PT. You're doing push-ups. You're doing sit-ups. You're doing some sort of punishment. So it's ingrained into your mind. And when we come back to civilians, especially in this day and age, and I find this a lot, and it drives me nuts. And it drives my husband nuts because I complain about it a lot, is that time in a lot of civilian world is a general assessment. So your appointment's at 10 o'clock. Oh, you, they might show up by 10, 10, 10, 15. It's okay. But one of the big things is, is you know, this discipline is meeting deadlines, doing things that need to be done. You get a task, you finish it. Another thing is problem solving. You know, we are taught how, and I know me and Rick joke about this a lot, because some people, like Ron, for instance, <laughs> You hear my son going through. He's just been goofy today. Um, I've already planned five different ways to fix the pro- the problem as I'm working the first part of the problem, and it doesn't. It's not working. We look at things in steps, and so far ahead of planning, and how to keep. If this doesn't work, we've already got Plan C and D ahead. You know, our brains just move a little bit faster when it comes to things like that to get the task done. So a lot of us don't get as overwhelmed and stressed out in situations when we're handed a million different things and how to do it. We're taught how to handle pressure, how to adapt to a changing situation. No, we're the army of one. We work as a team. We work so much better as a team. We have a hard time working as individuals. That's right. You know, communication. You know, we are taught how to communicate effectively, quickly. And and some of you have noticed this sometimes. I have been working very hard on this. To communicate slower, because I tend to talk fast. <laughs> but you get this sense of community. You are you're in a group, and you know. And we talked about reboot and all these things about it. That's great. And one of the biggest things is if you're with a group of individuals, and you become that community. 
people that you can talk to about good and the bad, people that support and uplift you. That's the same thing. You know, one way to look at the military is kind of like a college because you're in a dorm setting for the first few years and you are in this group surrounded by everybody else all the time. Yep. You know, you know, we talked about, you know, this, the false wars or, you know, the fact that we're sending out our troops to police the world instead of taking care of ourselves. You know, I think uh, you mentioned the the team, uh, working as a team, and it's it's very important um, that we understand that uh, um, uh, there's no I in team. (laughs) That's an old saying. There's no I in team. Uh, Team is 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 a group, is a group working together. And it could be a family working together. Or it could be a, uh, a military uh, squadron working together. Or it could be uh, uh, it could be a police force working together. It's just it's just a team working together for a common interest and um, and, a, and a common goal. And and um, so I I think that um, you know one example that I, I give that. I was raised on a farm uh, with my parents and my two brothers, and um, we we were a team on the farm because we had uh, we were all there was a lot of work to do, but we and we all had our own assignments to do, and and if we carried out our part, then the, the, then the, the job would get done. Uh, so we we had that we had to we had to assume that responsibility for a part of the teamwork that we had to do. And uh, and and so um, that's where I think it's very important. And I know that uh, a lot of military guys that I've met over, over the years, guys and gals, um, they are um, they are very um, uh, familiar with that that uh, that approach to uh, solving a, a problem and and uh, and and uh, getting the job done that they're doing, whether it's fighting or whether it's uh, uh, transportation or whether whatever it is in the in the military that they have to do, um, they they are also working as a team to get that done, and um, they are trained that way. They're trained that they're um, they're they're part of the part of a team. And I know when I was uh, when I was playing basketball in sports um, and running track. Uh, now track was more of an individual thing, uh, but uh, but we still had teams that we we worked together as teams, and if we all performed at top level, we would win, and if we didn't perform at top level, we wouldn't win. And I um, so I I, uh, I learned a lot from from that from those those kinds of experiences as well, and I um, and I'm able and I've been able to during my life to to teach my children and, and, uh, and a lot of their friends to work together as a team. You know, my mother always said to us, us boys, uh, I, 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 she said, she's always praying that we will um, help each other out and work together 
and, and uh, to get things done. And, and we, we did that most of the time. Once in a while, there were conflicts, of course, because we're human beings. But um, we, we pretty much worked together to get things done. And um, we were able to accomplish more that way. Um, I know I was, I was assigned for milking uh, milk cows in the morning. We had two cows that fed all the milk that we needed in our house. And uh, I had to milk those cows. I went to school. Um, uh, sometimes I had to run, run to get onto the school bus uh, so that they wouldn't leave. But anyway, um, it, it was it was a, a team effort, and uh, yeah. uh, we had to work together. Okay, back to you, Mary. Thanks, Bob. Yeah, for some reason it dropped me. Um, you know, one thing we talked, people have talked about is. Um, Soldiers when they come out, that you know, like Timothy McVeigh. Um, let's look at Oswald. You know, some of these gentlemen who enlist come out as bad people, or they do bad things. And the thing is, is people don't understand is some are prepositioned for this, some join for this intent to get the extra knowledge they need and kind of infiltrate the military, but also some individuals deal with so much violence due to the job they're in that it just switches their perspective and they don't know how to handle it when they get out. Yep. And they you get know, PTSD, PTSD or something correct. like that. You know. Yeah. Right. And, you know, the same as law enforcement. You know, you have bad cops, you have good cops. But yep. everybody gets lumped into the same category. You know, it doesn't matter what profession you're in or what kind of person you are in. There's going to be good and there's going to be bad with every aspect, every job, every life. Oh, yeah. And it's Absolutely. important to learn and discern by each individual and not lump them all into a category. Because, you know, a lot of soldiers coming out of the military for a long period of time were deemed unemployable and weren't able to find a job. Yep. And they were treated very badly. Yep. Because of what they did. And you got to remember, we are following orders as a soldier. We're not giving orders. We don't have, I mean, now there's some new protocols in place where if, they want us to do something that's unethical, illegal, whatever. We can stand up and say no, but for the longest time, that wasn't possible. Yep. You, you did what you were told, you regardless. Yep. And you know, you know, in time, uh, in times when. Uh, when there's a, 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 a soldier uh, has to go, a military person has to go to a, to a war area, an area where there's actually war. Um, it's, um, you know, you, you always say they're, they're, putting their, they're putting their lives on the line. Well, they are. They are putting their lives on the mm-hmm. line. And, and I have, and I, have um, I can attest to that personally. Uh, for, for one of my family members, one of my uncles, I never met him, 
but uh, because he was fighting in, in the war before I, uh, even before I was born. But anyway, uh, he was in the Second World War, and he he was flying uh, an aircraft in in the war, and he got shot down, and and of course he killed, he died from that uh, from that when the plane crashed, I guess. But anyway, um, he uh, uh, he gave his life up for for to serve his country. You know, I don't know why he went in the military. I have no idea. But I know the result of him being in the military. He served his country, and he served it well. And he, and he, uh, he died for it. He died uh, for serving his country. Um, and so I, um, you know, I, I firmly believe in that when, when, I, when, uh, when, I, when I think about the, the military people, and, and uh, especially those that are they're going to help uh, in a war situation, um, they are definitely putting their life on the line. My brother put his life on the line. Thank God he got through it, and he came home safely. He got hurt in the military, uh, and he had to go into a hospital for a few months. Um, but he he came home he came home safely and and whole. Uh, and I thank God for that. But uh, it is it is true they are putting their lives on the line because they never know where they're going to be assigned, and they never know what they're going to be con- confronted with when they get there. Yeah, there's some new things being going on in Congress where they want to start, you know, babysitting the military and looking at all the accidents and look at things that happen, you know, and hold people accountable. And the thing is, is, you know, we don't go out training and do practice exercises with fake equipment. We learn how to do it all with the real deal. Because in war, we need to use the same equipment. So we're familiar with the equipment. We're familiar with the exercises. And, you know, you're putting your life online just doing simple training routines. Accidents can happen. I mean, heck, you know, people don't think about it but understand, really, you could go for a walk and end up falling off a curb and hitting your head or, you know, you never know in life when it's your time to go. Yep. And accidents Absolutely. can happen anywhere. Problem is, yep. is when accidents happen in our world, it makes front page news. Yep. Yep, absolutely. And the biggest thing is, is, you know, I had a phenomenal chaplain and a sergeant that sat us all down and talked to us about faith and putting our faith into God and faith into understanding that, you know, when it's your time to go, you did everything you needed to do in this world. It'll be your time to go. So it makes it easier to accept that you walk out the door, you get off that truck or you get off that plane. That might be the last time you walk off that plane. And having faith, is a big part of the military and a lot of people don't understand that. In other words, that big push during um, the Obama administration about the separation of church and state. And because the military is a state or ran by the federal government, they weren't allowed to have faith in it anymore. Yep. 
thank goodness with the Trump administration that got changed and put back because a lot of us, you know, we would only get so much free time when we're going through like boot camp. And one of the things they really encourage us to do during our free time is basically every day of the week, they held a church service for a different denomination of, of a faith. So you could go and learn about the Jewish faith, the Buddhists, the Hindus, the Muslims, you know, the Catholics, the Christians, you know. So you could go to every service every night and learn about all these different religions and figure out what faith worked for you. And that gives you that sense of belongingship and that higher power. And what they have been finding out in the studies is that faith programs help overcome the PTSD and the trauma and help limit the effects of trauma in current members serving and those who went through it. Your success rate of overcoming those problems increased by 86% besides just talk therapy alone. And getting individuals to understand and realize, you know, the part that bugs me the most is majority of the individuals who make our program, um, make all these policies, make all these changes, and speak for us from, you know, education to um, special needs to the military don't have any experience in those, in those fields. Yep. And I truly believe if you are on the head of education, you've got kids in, the, in education, in public schools, not private schools, public schools. You should have that experience into that world that you are trying to fix. If you're on the head of the Department of Military and the Public Defense, then you should have served in the military as not just an officer, but as an enlisted man, the grunt work, people that, so that you understand all the policies, all the things that you are doing and how it shapes and changes and affects people. Instead of just having these politicians who have been lawyers or businessmen that have never really experienced a lot of things firsthand, making hypothetical solutions that aren't going to fix the world, because it only benefits the minor few. Okay, go. Thank you. And on me, they've been talked about false wars, and I don't even know what a false war is, and I don't care to know what a false war is. But, you know, sending our military to police the world. And the thing is, is I partially agree with that. We should keep them home and defend ourselves. But then you got to remember, too, we are one of the greatest military nations in the world, or we used to be. And we train on our bases, over there in their bases, other militaries. On techniques, on equipment, on maneuvers. You know, 
we are not just a force of the U.S. When we fight, we fight hand in hand with other countries. You know, I've partnered and fought with individuals from Turkey. I've worked with people from the U.K., And so we get to learn and experience cultures that we would never get to do on a one-on-one level that a lot of people would never do that way. You know, when I was in the Middle East, I still talked to my translators that are, they're still over there working with the military. But, you know, to this day, we talk at least once a week and see how things are going and how our personal lives are, not just, you know, professional lives. And that's the one thing that I don't agree with, with what we did, you know. I agreed that we needed to come out of the Middle East, but the way we did it was wrong. And the fact that we left a lot of individuals that were helping us, and we only succeeded in where we succeeded and the alliances we built were because of the individuals over there that put their lives on the line for us. Got the yep. shaft. Yep. I think that was and a very, 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 poor, very poorly handled uh, situation over there. Yep. And now they're back in control of everything. Yep. You know, and the sad part is, is you got places like um, Israel and Palestine, because ISIS now has control over there again, to help save their own butts, they're willing to not renew visas of women that, and children that escaped and got visas, did it all the right way and got visas and are living there, especially down by the Gaza Strip. They're talking about not renewing their visas and sending them back home. Yep. And you do that, it's guaranteed they're not going to survive. You know, people don't understand and look at everything from a di- from a different perspective other than what they see in front of themselves in tunnel vision. You know, this whole debate about pro-Palestine, pro-Israel, pro-Jew, pro Muslim, and we're sending money over. You know, um, there was a video that was created by Miss Israel, and she breaks it down and explains. She goes, you know, you got to realize your governments are bringing money and sending money to help the Palestinian people, but what happens is the Hamas take it, and the people aren't getting it. They're not doing anything to help the people. They're doing it to help themselves. Yeah. You know, Hamas is just another version of ISIS. They're just another terrorist group. The same thing goes on in South America. Especially in the El Salvador area and the MS-13. You know, when we bring aid to help these countries, we bring doctors, things like that. They need the military to protect them, to keep them safe while they're helping citizens in those countries. Yep. 
you know, one of, one of the things that I'm. Uh, I was going to say another, a lot of a lot of times in these countries, it's not. Um, it, they're not fighting. Um, they're not fighting another country, but what they're fighting is the is the administration, the crooked politicians uh, that have taken over and and um, are, without being elected, uh, and they're uh, trying to run the country and, and and keep their keep in power so that they can uh, um, they can become wealthy and and. Uh, and not being not being concerned at all about the people, they're concerned about themselves, and um, th- that's a different kind of war. But they're but they are fighting a war, you know. Uh, yeah, it, it's the same thing that we did here. You know, look at the Revolutionary War. Yep. You know, we fought against ourselves literally to free ourselves from oppression. But we're forgetting our own history and what we've done to be where we are today. You know, one of the big things that our special forces do is they go into areas that regular police can't go into because they don't have the equipment. They're not trained. But they are a big part in stopping and infiltrating and bringing back children that have been trafficked. And one thing we're talking about Monday is trafficking that's been coming up, being a big part here in the U.S. with child rights and how there's a push for our legislation to change the laws and bring awareness to these situations. And it's another scam to get visa. Absolutely. It's just like our schools. It's been happening in the schools recently in the last few years. Um, There's a lot of things going on in the schools that um, I personally believe, uh, and I know that many of the Americans, a very large majority of Americans, uh, believe uh, that there's uh, th- that has to be changed. The whole situation has to be changed. Um, the school boards are, have become uh, um, almost almost uh, communist and and uh, trying mm-hmm. to control control the teachers and everything, and and not allowing the allowing things in the for the students that you shouldn't be allowing like um <laughs> lgbtq type type uh, situations that are that are going on there and trying to transition the children without the parents uh knowing about it and that's uh, a lot of that is um things that that are that have, have certain ideology is being pushed and it, and it should be it should be changed it should be stopped and um, every time i get an opportunity to uh to send a note to a to a congressperson, I, I include that in there about uh, making sure that our, our childrens aren't being uh, brainwashed and into a certain uh, certain way of thinking because uh, children are, are they they are very um, um, what do I want to say they can be they can be changed their minds can be changed very easily 
um, with a little bit of skill in doing that um, and a little bit of practice in, 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 in mind changing uh, and brainwashing them um, can be done very, very quickly and very easily. And, and so I, mm-hmm. I think that's something that, that really needs to, be, needs to be changed quickly. And I know it is starting to be changed because parents are starting to fight it. And that's where it has to come from. It has to come from the parents and, and from the general public, not, not, uh, not the politicians, but from the general public. We, the people, need to stand up for the rights that we, we want to preserve in our country. Well, you know, the scary part is, and the sad part is, is that a lot of this is being done with the parents. You have the, the few like you and me that don't believe in this, and you have the others that push their kids into it. There are clinics yep. in South Carolina, there's clinics in the East Coast that will do um, gender reassignment surgery as young as six months old on a child. Yep. Because that you can't tell me that's what the kid decides. So the six months old, they have no idea what they are. And the thing is, you know, as you look at a child, look at a a four-year-old, a five-year-old, a six-year-old. You give them $5, you give them five Oreo cookies. Nine out of ten times, you're going to pick that Oreo cookie over the $5 bill. Because it's instant gratification. That's what they want. That's what they know is, you know, their biggest life choices are what to watch on TV, if it's Peppa Pig or Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. How can you let them make a decision that's going to affect the rest of their lives at such a young age when they have no idea the ramifications? And most of these kids have never even hit puberty yet. So hormones aren't even there yet. And granted, there are some individuals that have been born in the wrong bodies. When they do blood tests, they find out that um, I had a buddy of mine that actually worked at a crisis center, and she got fired for this. Um, she became a crisis coach instead because when she dealt with these kids, the first thing she did is to come to the, to the clinic and the age of consent to the 15, so they could go get blood tests done without parents' consent, and they would find their hormone levels. And then the doctor would give them hormone treatments, but it, what it was, it, wasn't, it was designed to level out what they needed for their body. So when their bodies were in check, the way it was, God made them to be, they didn't feel that way anymore. You know, one of the big trends with kids is parents are putting their kids on all these restrictive, strange diets. You know, you know, giving them real milk, they're giving them soy milk, they're giving them, you know, almond milk, no gluten, none. The, you know, they're not getting the proper nutrients and the proper foods and the balanced foods that they need to survive, that they yep. need to be healthy with. Yep. And a lot of yep. the food choices we make affect our bodies and our hormone levels. You know, lack of exercise. That all affects our hormones. Kids sit in front of computer screens all day, and they come home and sit in front of screens all day. They're not getting out and exercising. All these little factors in life affect our hormones, our bodies, our chemistry, our mindset. And now they're being, you know, um, they've talked about different specialists 
from like 10 years ago talking about how they're going to change the world by changing. We've talked about this. You know, you change the world by changing the way our kids think. You know, we were all a product of this. You know, their program, the frying pan, here's your brain. Here's your brain on drugs. Any questions? Don't do drugs. We're taking this propaganda and switching the narrative to be harmful instead of helpful. And we're taking kids who don't have a sense of identity because we're not teaching them what it means to be a boy or to be a girl and confusing them even more. Yep. By teaching them because they are a boy and they like to play in the dirt and they like to have fun and be little turd balls because that's what boys are. There's something wrong with them. They need to be more like a girl. Yep. You know, it starts by looking at our celebrities, looking at our individuals that we look up to. I personally believe at the end of the 90s was the end of the great role models, the great heroes that we looked up to. The um, actors, the football players, you know, all these different people that we all grew up modeling when we were kids. You know, we all wanted to be like Herbie Puckett or... You know, um, Aaron Rodgers, things like that. Now our men are parading around in dresses, putting on makeup. So how does this not confuse our children when they're looking at this and seeing our our dads at home being downgraded because they're a man? I mean, I think my personal belief is that we took the woman, the feminine movement way too far. Because now we're not to the point of equal. We're taking to the point of we expect our men to be there waiting on us hand and foot, but yet still expect us to do nothing for it. We all want that sugar daddy. And that we can go and have kids without, you know, it's, I can't find a guy that's willing to stay with me, so I'm going to go do it myself and be a single parent. There's nothing wrong with being a single parent if that is the way circumstances happen. I'm, I, I was military. I know a lot of single parents because it didn't have, dads or moms didn't come home from the military. But deliberately looking to become a single parent is another story. You know, being a parent is um, is really a full time job, and and it's and it's it and it's a uh, it's a tremendous tremendous responsibility to uh, to the children, and um, I um, I'm just I'm just very happy that the good Lord has uh, has given me a, a large family uh, because. I found it uh, well. I didn't. I never did have a small family, but I, because my mother and father both had uh, uh, at least six children in their family. My dad had nine in his family, but um, I, I think with a large family, it, it it it's maybe in some respects easier to raise your children than it is with a smaller family because the older ones can help and teach the uh, the younger children. Uh, about things, um, 
things like how to put their shoes on and how to tie the how to tie the shoes and how to get dressed and uh, how to bathe and 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 uh, doing things around the house to help out, um, uh, helping your mother, helping your father, and and um, you know all those kinds of things. I think uh, a large family really uh, they're an advantage. Large family. There's a lot of disadvantage family, but uh, there are some advantages in in raising children. You no, know, it is. You know, one thing that, you know, I've really pushed with my kids is kind of that larger family mentality, and that is working together. With larger families, you always see the kids together, working together, playing together, standing up for each other, being together, where you don't see that as much with smaller families, because you don't have to always be together. Right. (laughs) But, you know... I got blessed to have the two that I got because I didn't think I could have any more after I lost the one I lost and I tried for years and you know, these two came along was a a great surprise. And part of the reason why it's taken me so much longer to build my business and build what I'm doing was because I stayed home and worked with my kids and help them and with them. So their needs come before my business. They come before a lot of things, which is why my house is always a disaster. But now they're at that age where they help, which makes it even a bigger disaster. Because they try. Yep. Even a simple thing like helping them with their homework, the older ones can help the younger ones uh, with their homework. And... uh, Help them to um, to learn uh, things that uh, they need to learn in their education and so forth. I found that 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 makes a big difference with the children. Uh, is teaching each other. They get that support. They they get that wantedness, and they're gonna fight. Kids fight. Yep. <laughs> but that's the and one thing I truly believe. <laughs> Go ahead. And the, and the older ones and the older ones help out also with with uh, uh, what I call a relationship development, um, helping uh, with with uh, with friends, making friends, and and being uh, a true friend with uh, with someone, not just being a, an imitation friend, but but when you make a friend, um, make a commitment and and to uh, to be a friend with that person, and and. Uh, so I, I think that older ones set an example for them also, not only the parents, but the, but the older children for the younger children. And that's the one thing where I think we lack a lot of now with the modern parenting is we don't take the time to actually play with our kids. Yeah. And I know that there's a show on Disney that my kids used to love when they were littler. It was called Louie. And the first thing I noticed with this show, it's out of Australia. And the kids and the parents play together. Imagination play. And it really pushes the concept that the parents play with the kids. And it's not what, you know, like my husband had a hard time with this one at first. Was, you know, he had his idea of how 
because he kind of grew up in an only child because his brother and sister are like 10 years older than him. And uh, so his concept was different than growing up with siblings. And uh, he would want to play what he wanted to play and expected the kids to come to him and play with him. And it's the opposite. You've got to go and join with them and see what they're doing and play with them and how they want to play. Them talk and let them do their thing. You know, let them, because the more you interrupt what they're doing and try to show them the correct way or what you deem is correct, that solidifies in their minds that kids, there's something not right with them. It helps, it knocks down their self-esteem. Because you're always correcting, yep. you're always, you know, it's like positive parenting. Yep. You know, the little things they do wrong, you ignore. The big things they do wrong, you, you correct them on it. But, you know, for instance, picking up their clothes. All right, so they picked up all their clothes. It didn't quite make it into the laundry basket, but it made it next to the laundry basket. Instead of yelling at them, telling them to go put them in the laundry basket, take them over there and talk to them, help them put it in the laundry basket and explain where they go. And talk to them at their level instead of just bellowing orders. <laughs> oh, I was laughing because I was thinking about um, how, how do we... Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, how how we um, um, treat children when they do something wrong, you know, and and uh, trying to uh, try to trying to uh, explain to them without getting angry and without uh, without being upset with them um, because they know right away even if even if we don't act like we're upset but you, they can tell if we are. And they they feel that way because they have they have guilt, and they uh, their guilt makes them feel like uh, they know when they do something wrong, and and uh, but anyway, uh, my dad, my dad was very harsh in the punishment that he gave to us boys, very very harsh. Uh, he would he would beat us with his belt, or he would he would uh, have us go out on the on a lilac bush and get one of those long thin. Uh, uh, pieces of li- lilac limb and cut it off and bring it into him and then he would whack us on on our on our backside with with that and um, but he was he was a very harsh man uh, when he was when he was giving out punishment but when, and, and and usually that was that occurred when he was when he had been drinking a little bit uh, he had a bad influence from from alcoholism and and when he when he was sober he was the nicest man in the world. And he would he would teach us all kinds of things, but when he wasn't uh, sober, <laughs> he uh, he would take it out on us. And and uh, I remember when my older brother uh, got a little bit older, he'd say, "Don't don't hit don't hit Bob or don't hit Jim, his two younger brothers." He'd say, "Hit me instead," you know. And and he would try to take on the punishment that we were supposed to be given. And and. Uh, whether it was the right kind of punishment or not, he was my brother was willing to to receive that punishment, and and so um, I guess he learned that from 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 our mother because our mother was very very good at teaching us the right way to do things, 
and uh, she was a very loving, very loving woman. And and uh, she could be harsh too at times, but not not as bad as my dad. Uh, and so anyway, he was that's just the way he was raised, you know. It is, and that's where you know the eight, big part of the '80s was breaking that cycle. Yeah. And finding yep. a punishment that works is crucial, but. Yep. Also explain to them what they did wrong is just as crucial. And we're walking a fine yep. line now where a lot of kids are not getting consequences for their actions and they're being written off as, oh, kids will be kids. And we're all about so, positive and never about repercussions. Yep. And I think because but of we the are, way, uh, uh, Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, I think because of the way that uh, my dad punished us, I had, I had in my mind that I was never, ever going to treat my kids that way, you know, and I didn't, I, I did, I uh, really tried to uh, set the children down when they did something wrong and, and talk to them in a civilized manner and try to explain to them what what it is they did wrong and fi- and ask them well now why did you do that and and uh, what were, would you would you do it again if you had an opportunity oh no no they'd always say no we wouldn't do it again so so that was a way that we punished them but we also learned uh, help them to learn the right way to do things that's true i think I think that's very important in, in their their development. It's huge. Um, we're going to talk more about this next week. I think this should be a good topic for um, next Thursday show. Okay. Sounds great. Thank All right, you, so Mary, we're out of time for, for today. Having, thank you for having me. Oh, no show. problem. I always okay. love having you on. Yeah. Okay. You have a great day, my friend. You too. Have a good weekend. Yeah, and God bless you and your family. All right, bye-bye. You too. Bye. So join us back here next week at noon. Have a good day, have a good night, and bye for now.